Hey there, my name's Tim and welcome to the podcast. So a few weeks ago, I sat down remotely, of course, with Hannah Spicer, an e-commerce and digital marketing consultant. We touched on her journey, taking the plunge into consulting, the pros and cons of the profession, and of course, some commentary on the COVID situation. Now, bear in mind, our interview was from a little while ago. However, I feel the content is still very relevant. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me, Tim. It won't surprise you that I'm at home. Yep. Uh, and I'm pretty well. Um, the sun is shining. Uh, I'm taking it day by day. And yeah, can't complain at the moment. Thank you. That's good. You know what's interesting? I was on a call this morning, a bit of a like insights type call with different people across the landscape. And they mentioned that, you know, prior to COVID, when you asked someone how they were, you got a relatively, you know, benign response, right? Yeah. But now you seem to elicit a little a little bit more into the person and like actually how they're going. So I think that that's a, we'll maybe touch on it in a little bit, but a positive COVID story is that people are a little bit more open with how they're actually feeling and, yeah. and you do get a little bit more of an insight into what's going on in their heads right now. But I do agree. I think exceptional time and it's good to hear that you're doing okay. And I think it's okay just to be okay <laughs> right now, yeah. which is good. Right. We're going we're gonna to deep dive into a bit of your journey and where you're at right now. But you spent or have spent, you know, around 15 years in e-com and recently decided to take the plunge into consulting. I'm keen to get a little bit more in terms of your experiences and why did you decide to go out on your own? Sure. So I, yeah, I started my career at Harvey Nichols um, fairly soon after leaving university. And I worked there for three months on a kind of placement, no paid placement, um, but then stayed on and started out at the kind of bottom of the press and marketing department. Um, and I learned so much there. We had an amazing director who was very keen on kind of breeding and, you know, breeding talent and growing her team. Um, I stayed there for six years. So that was how I first got involved in e-commerce um, because I was part of the team that launched the first site there, uh, which was just an incredible opportunity. And I learned so much um, and it was done in a very grassroots way. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of money thrown at it. Everybody was kind of working on it alongside their existing day jobs. Um, so that was an incredible experience. And um, after six years there, I felt like I needed to be thrown out of my comfort zone. So went to work at Stella McCartney um, and I was there to essentially it was a new position as e-commerce marketing manager um, we relaunched their e-commerce site in the UK and we launched into the US for the first time um, so again incredibly exciting and an amazing brand to work for 
and I went on to De Beers from there. So not quite as commercial because, because obviously, you know, the main product is engagement rings and incredibly high end price points. Mm. Uh, so there it was more uh, about ensuring that what we were doing throughout the world. So, you know, the head office was in London where I worked, but there were satellite offices in the US, in China, in Japan, in France. It was really about ensuring the teams in all of those markets were up to speed on what we were doing in digital um, and also had my kind of guidance and support and were doing it in a consistent way. Um, and from there, I got headhunted to go to uh, a jewelry brand called Monica Vinader, um, who are an amazing um, British brand. Price points aren't as you know extreme as De Beers. It's much more um, kind of accessible luxury, if you like. Yep. Yep. Um, and I joined there as head of online um, when it was a quite a small and young business, and it's grown so rapidly since then. Um, so that was the first time I'd worked in a bit more of a kind of startup uh, environment, which was incredibly exciting. Um, it was very fast paced. It was very much, you know, try things and move on if they don't work. And, you know, um, I just really felt like I was adding a lot of value. So I loved, loved working there. Um, I had my first child and after that I went to work at Kurt Geiger on a more of a kind of specialized role. So I decided to focus in on CRM and email um, and was really responsible for transforming that activity for that business. So from going to, you know, batch and blast to a really big database to bringing in segmentation and automation um, and transforming their CRM uh, activities. Um, and I had my second child after about three years there and I went back for six months. Um, and that's when I decided to kind of take the plunge and decide to work for myself. Um, I guess the two kind of main driving factors behind that were definitely I wanted some more flexibility. Um, you know, I found it incredibly challenging, um, getting into London every day, rushing around, trying to figure out childcare for two different children. Um, at the time, I wasn't able to kind of, I wasn't allowed to work from home, which is funny saying that now. <laughs> How <laughs> ironic, <funny>. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and there were meetings put in after I'd left for the day because I had to go and pick up the kids and I was just running myself ragged and it just wasn't working for me. Um, and I think also the kind of variety side of things and the job satisfaction as well, because having been in house at brands for 16 years, you know, every brand does things differently, but I felt like I was getting into the same, almost like hamster wheel of events. So, you know, mm. what are we doing Black Friday? What's Christmas? What's sale? What's Valentine's? Um, and if there aren't any, you know, juicy projects that you can sink your teeth into, like transformation projects, which there aren't always, yeah. I kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to get that same level of satisfaction and feel like you're really learning and developing, I suppose. So, yeah, two, two yeah. key reasons made the plunge. Well, that's really interesting. And, and, and from what I understand, and I suppose from my perspective, it, it, it's quite evident that the e world is quite transient. And I think a lot of it, it, it stems from that concept, right? Like 
you only how many times do you re-platform a brand it doesn't happen like three or four times a year and you know uh like you said you get into the the business cycle of what retail is and it's very seasonal and it's very event-based so yeah I, I mean look it doesn't sound like you were uh, it wasn't like you were sitting around twiddling your thumbs over those 15 years you've 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 dived into a number of different businesses and um yeah, it sounds like you're you're on a, a a new and interesting path. Um, so, I mean, so how long have you been doing the consulting now? And I suppose, given your decision, have you had time to reflect and kind of say, this is the good thing about being a consultant, or this is the thing that I find challenging? Yeah. So I it will have been about ten months now, I think, since last summer, last June or July. Um, I have had time to reflect. I think especially in this current period of time where, you know, so many people's work lives are changing. Um, I think for me, the, I mean, the best thing by far for me personally has been that independence um, and that feeling of ownership. Um, and it might sound weird to say, but for the first time I feel like a proper adult, like, you know, <laughs> I'm setting my... You finally got there. Well done. Okay. You know, I'm in charge of my working week and my working day. I'm in charge of finding who I'm going to work with and making projects happen. Um, I'm learning so many things, you know, that I hadn't ever thought about before. So the whole, you know, running a business and the accounting side of things and all of that. So... But yeah, I think having that independence and especially again with two young children, being able to do what works for me has been just invaluable. And I think it's going to take a lot to kind of pull me back to a permanent in-house position Um, because it's yeah. And, And, you know, I think things are moving on. I think more companies are trying to be more flexible and things like that I don't think that's an exclusive you know you have to be a consultant or freelance to get that um but for me the position I was in um I was talking to some other brands about you know senior roles and they still wanted somebody in the office five days a week you know managing the team there um, and it just it just wouldn't have worked for me. So yeah, that kind of the freedom and the independence is a massive win. Um, I think probably the hardest part, I don't know, it's twofold. I mean, the whole business development side of things. So having to, you know, take a, a good chunk of my time marketing myself and you know, you're not getting paid for that time. So it's it's a bit nerve-wracking. It's very different to when you're in-house and you don't have to do any of that, right? So... Um, yeah, or maybe it's a bit more structured and you can, like, it's part of the role. So it's framed by KPIs and your remuneration and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas it's, it's, it's maybe... Well, I suppose it's still part of remuneration now, but it's, it's, it's yeah, it's very much you're in control of your destiny. Yeah, for sure. And I think... Um, you know, the, the part of this whole move that I was always kind of a bit nervous and averse to was that kind of pitching and sales process because it's a brand new skill for me. I've never done that before. I've always been client side, you know, on the other side of the table. And um, I'm still very much kind of learning about how to do that. Um, and I think the other side, which is 
I'm not convinced it's a complete worst part because I've benefited from it hugely as well. But obviously there's a massive blurring between what's work and what's outside of work. Um, you know, every holiday I've taken since, you know, I've been on a couple of holidays since doing this and I've had my laptop with me and I've been working every day, which I never did previously. Um, and I'm on, you know, working weekends and evenings and things. But again, that kind of is also a benefit because I am spending you know five to seven p.m with my kids because I need to do so and then I can catch up in the evening so I don't know it's kind of a bit a bit of both I suppose but yeah the the work-life lines are definitely more blurred they're blurred yeah yeah totally but I suppose that that's the offset of the independence right I suppose the, the independence allows you that ability to be more flexible with your time the unfortunate reality is the pressure to 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 make things happen is probably greater right you haven't got the safety net of a of a of a of an uh uh um a, you know a, a permanent job but yeah i suppose i suppose it's it, it's really interesting i'm always thinking about the concept of of consulting and 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 whether it, it, it's it's something i'm personally very very interested in i feel that it's it's a, it's a path i will take at some point but yeah like at what point do you do a you know the pros and cons of each and I personally think like I'm, I'm very impressed by anyone that does actually take the plunge as in, I think people talk about it a lot. You know, I think they, they see the idea and, and, you know, it's it's always romanticized, but then when you come down to it, it's, it's a hard decision to make, right? You're, you're, you're cutting the cord on a lot of safety and security and, you know, cause it's not just about the consultancy. It's all of that other stuff like you talked about. It's yeah. like, right, you gotta learn business development. You now have to be a tax expert. <laughs> you know, right. have to be uh, some sort of expert on on uh, you know corporate law and you know all this other stuff. Where you know in, in in bigger organizations, you've got people that are experts on that that get you know paid plenty of money to how to do those things. So, yeah. I mean, you, you touched on an interesting point in that sort of reflection about um, the things that you need to do now that maybe you weren't doing before. So, as a consultant, like how are you approaching it? Like, do you have your own personal brand and is like a content um, sort of strategy part of that? How do you reach your audience as a, as a consultant? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yes, content is a massive, massive part of it. And um, for me, I mean, before COVID, obviously networking in person was a key part of my, um, you know, my business life. I made sure that I was going to relevant events and keeping up existing relationships and also meeting new people in the industry um but yeah i've reverted to you know two key channels for me are linkedin which i've used throughout my career um but i'm using more proactively for sure since becoming freelance Mm. Um, so that's really important for me now i'm kind of you know writing long form articles and posts and making sure I'm showing that I have an opinion on, you know, key developments in the industry. Um, and then the other place is Instagram, which I wasn't on as a business before. I was on a bit personally. Um, but yeah, I have, you know, created my own business account on there. And that's where I'm reaching out to the smaller to medium businesses because that's where they're most active. Um, so there my content is different and it's much more about sharing tips and knowledge um you know trying to help people trying to build relationships i've built a lot of relationships with you know consultants who are in a similar space or slightly different um you know and then the hope is that those businesses will come back to me 
if they have something specific that I, I can help them with. So yeah, content's huge. Um, but I do quite enjoy that side of things. Having studied English at university, I kind of like writing and mm. it's, the, it's the graphics that I've had to learn and get myself on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing tools, right? That's interesting. Yeah. Do you, how do you find your writing process? Because I do a bit of writing for, for, for We Make and then with the podcast, I've got a bit of like, I mean, this is kind of a hobby, right? It's, it, 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 but I, I do take it seriously and, and, I, and I try and push it. Are you a perfectionist when it comes to the writing or are you a, oh, I'll just get it out there and then see what happens? I am not a perfectionist. I don't think I'm a perfectionist in anything I do. Um, I like to get things done and maybe revise it once or twice and maybe get you know someone else's opinion but then just get it out there because I like to work at pace um but I also think just it's I don't know like you can revise things a million times or just be brave and put it out there and put see it out there happens. yeah 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 totally <laughs> right. it's 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 weird though isn't it like um I used to do a bit of music and it's 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 not a dissimilar concept you're kind of giving your a bit of your soul to the world and it's open and it's out there for <laughs> especially you know uh from a social media perspective it's there for criticism and it's the, you know like and i think it's it, it's a brave thing to do i think doing that first one and just getting it out there and then yeah like you said if you can treat it more as, as an as an mvp type uh strategy where you're just pumping it out and then you, you learn and then you get the hang of it and then you know the next one doesn't seem too daunting yeah and i think look i'm just putting my opinion out there i'm not saying it's right um i'm just you know i'm sharing my thoughts on something so i'm lucky i haven't had any Trolls no trolls yet right 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 nice, um, nice. So, i've had no trolls but i did have i um the one of the bands i was playing in we had our record reviewed and it wasn't a good review it was quite oh. it's quite difficult to read actually yeah. Even now. yeah but you know what it's out there so who cares um so i, I suppose you know we need to address the covid thing <laughs> to some degree i don't want to get too like I think there's so much literature, obviously media attention with what's going on at the moment. And I was maybe keen to pick your brains in terms of maybe a brand that was out there in the market right now. Uh, maybe they're struggling or maybe they're doing okay. But like from specifically say a CRM or an email perspective, which is something that, I, you know, like clearly you, you, you've got a keen focus on like, do you think there are any things that brands could be doing or maybe shouldn't be doing right now? I mean, for me, the number one thing is to not go quiet. Um, so don't turn off your marketing. Don't pull back. Don't, you know, you've got to be present. Um, you know, I think during a crisis, people crave connection more than any other time. And brands who are absent are going to lose that opportunity to you know stay front of mind and and to build some longer lasting relationships so i think that's really important um i would imagine by now most brands have pretty much torn up their kind of <clears throat> marketing and content calendar for a few months yeah um, any forecast or planning is gone <laughs> in the bin yeah right so i think you know it's for me it's a time for 
listening and trying to gauge what your customer base want from you and if you can't then ask them very openly mm. um you know, whether that's asking them on insta stories or whether you have a kind of a core focus group that you can go to and get more deep insight from um for me this is a time to kind of slow down build those relationships um focus on your website as well so ensure that you know you're you've adapted everything on your website but also you're optimizing and reviewing everything um so yeah i think number one advice is definitely not to to go quiet stay present um and keep talking and keep building those relationships um because while we're all in like you know it's we have to acknowledge that everybody is experiencing a very different version of what's going on at the moment. Mm, mm. It is in some way we're all more unified than normal, right? We're all under in to some extent, um, we're all experiencing this new reality. So we're all feeling the same things. We're all feeling worried and unsure and we're all looking for similar things too. So I think that, Number That's one. a really interesting point, isn't it? It's 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 very rare within the world where everyone's experienced very similar things. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume that's why. Well, other than the kind of political and economic um, challenges and considerations that are going on right now, that people are liking it to some of the the the, the most um, impactful events of you know history, where you know you're kind of likening it to wars and so forth. But there is an element there, right? without getting too deep where it's a thing that you can connect with someone in any form because you're all experiencing it at the same time which is very rare right where we're like all within this thing like there's no one that's escaping it really yeah there's certain aspects of it that just blow my mind like you know i dialed into one of the vogue conversations um zooms last week and i it was so bizarre i felt like i had virgil Abloh talking to me on my laptop it was just like (laughs) um yeah it's it's crazy um but yeah i think you know i think it is about just being in the present with the customer right and and taking that time to say okay let's look at my my website let's make sure that every single step of it you know is relevant to the current situation you're not posting about i don't know holiday outfits or or whatever you're kind of your content's relevant but also that you're thinking about how you can help you know take any new customers you're getting now and continue those relationships for the months to come um yeah it's it's yeah Yeah. and i think what 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 is helpful for 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 brands right now is time like the i mean of course a brand is going to be I mean, there's probably two camps, right? They're either probably doing okay because they're in like in a new essential category and there's something that people really need or, or kind of need right now. Or they might be, well, okay, so maybe three camps, but one, two extremes are there's stuff that people need, new essentials, and there's stuff that people are, don't really need right now and they're really struggling. So everyone's going to be busy. I get that. But from a consumer perspective, we've got more time as in we're doing more, you know, I'm opening more emails now than I did ever, right? Because yeah. I've, you know, not not that I'm I'm bored, but I, do you know what I mean? I'm 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 just I'm more engaged. I've got more time. It seems, I suppose, 
in my head at least anyway. So there, I think as a brand, you've got a platform right now or a situation that could allow a bit of that experimentation and really trying to hone in on some of those things that you're talking about, which let's be honest, a lot of times I don't because we're quite fickle as humans and we just scroll and delete and da 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 or whatever. Yeah, we're always doing 10 things at once, right? You've got mm. such a short space to get somebody's attention. But yeah, absolutely. Everybody has slowed their pace down. Nobody's going anywhere. So yeah, there is a captive audience there and they want to be, you know, they want that connection and they want distraction as well. So yeah, I think, you know, there's absolutely more of a captive audience for sure. And you touched on an interesting point there. So it was it a Vogue webinar that you want? Have I believe you may have uh, been um, involved in a couple of or, or, or participating or, or, or as, a, as a punter on, a, on some virtual events. Can you talk me through those or any of the key takeaways that you've, you've learned? Yeah, so I'm trying to, again, it's just about like staying present, right? And connecting to my work world when I feel like I spend my entire day pushing my children on a swing. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've, I dialed into one of the Vogue um, conversations, which was brilliant. And for me, by far the most inspiring person on that was um, Virgil Abloh, who's, um, I think he's the founder and CEO of Off-White, and he's also creative director at Louis Vuitton Menswear. Um, and just, I mean, he's obviously a very visionary person, um, anyway, but hearing him talk about so positively and so much about change coming out of this situation. So he was talking about the fact that fashion is now a service industry and the fact that they completely need to change you know, their mission. And it's no longer about, okay, this is what you should be wearing. We're setting the trends. It's about how can we completely change what we're doing so that we're serving the customer, which for me is something I've thought about for many years. And for me, that is customer centricity, right? Mm. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's making a lot of people in the industry think very differently, which can only be a good thing. Um, he was also talking about sustainability and I've heard that come up a lot of times over the last few weeks, um, how it's going to be much more of a focus for consumers because we've all become so much more conscious consumers in this period. Um, and also that, you know, companies need to be digital first. So I think, you know, I think customer centricity, sustainability, digital first, these aren't brand new concepts that have come out of COVID, yeah. but they're being accelerated massively. And I think, again, that's only a positive. And the fact that, you know, this is going to hopefully bring around a lot of change within the industry at every level um, is something to really kind of be inspired by, I think, and hopeful for as well. Yeah, and I think it's 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 interesting you say that because a lot of those terms aren't new things. And I think uh, as an industry, e-commerce, retail, however you want to sort of um, put it, is I think they like the ideas of those things. But I think particularly from any bigger organization, I think they might be a little bit apprehensive about them. And because it's change, change is difficult as humans. Right. We, we, it's not something that we naturally sort of tend towards and what what's happened and i think with any sort of 
I suppose, big event and COVID is a big event. It sort of forces you to do things that you hadn't done before. And it's kind of what I think is really interesting. And I'm seeing it across the board at, at, at the place where, where we make websites where I work and just talking to different people. I think it, 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 and it can be seen from a positive and potentially a pessimistic point of view because it can get into some areas which are not so great. But COVID is exposing. It's a catalyst for change. And yeah, I think it. I think it depends what the people do with it, right? I think that's the key thing. It's like, what, what, what do you do with this catalyst? You know, do, do you, do you, do, is it, is it change for the better? I mean, you'd hope so. Um, I think everyone will be striving towards that change for the better. But it really is, I think, you know, from a brand perspective, it's forcing the hand to to, to really make those decisions and, and and kind of go for it. I think what do you take it a little bit more broader and the the, the more chat? I get it from a from a challenge perspective is like this impending economic <laughs> gloom that is underpinning all of this, which isn't really being talked about because it's all about the health bit, which is obviously the most important thing, but what's that yeah. going to look like? And then, yeah. I mean, how many businesses are actually going to be around, <laughs> you know, what, to be able to change? Um, so, yeah, but I mean, no one's got a crystal ball, right? And I think, you know, it's, it's the job of, of the senior leaders in the industry and, and people to be talking about it and openly expressing what's going on and, and try and, you know, help those brands and, and businesses through this period of change. Yeah, for sure. And I think what we'll also see is more brands collaborating as well, because we are, you know, a lot of, you know, we are all in this together. So it's going to take collaboration. Um, and I don't know, I read a, amazing quote from Mary Portas um, yesterday I think it was in the Financial Times where she just kind of said mediocrity is going to be gone from the high street um, great and again I'm not, <laughs> perfect you know, yeah exactly you know, and again I'm I don't want to be insensitive to people's jobs and I realize that with big companies I'm not I'm thinking of Primark as an example who don't yeah. have e-commerce not yeah. sold a single like I mean, I don't know what to say without sounding callous, but you know. Well, you it's it's a it's a it's a fact, right? I think that 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 you know, like you know, I think you can remove some degree of 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 emotion from the concept, and and I think that's one thing to note in in some of these things that we're discussing here. There there is a human element to it, and mm. that is a thing that needs to be explored and it needs to be um, considered. Uh, but but you know, to take the business like lens i mean yeah it is it, it's unbelievable that that a brand like that has you know gotten itself into a position like that but i suppose that's not dissimilar to other um you know in the aviation industry which is taking a huge hit there's airlines that are going out of business and you know i don't know what it is that they <laughs> were not doing you know but it, it's it's the same across the board i think businesses that weren't in a good position before this are really going to feel the pinch um, mm. but you could, you could argue that, well, you know, businesses, that's the whole idea. You should be a healthy business. So you should be thinking about the way you're doing things and innovating and employing all of those things that we talked about before, like being digitally first and, 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 and customer centric and all this sort of stuff. Like if you've kind of already got that baked into your DNA, of course, there's still going to be some casualties, but you probably should be giving yourself a better chance of success within a crisis like this. Right. I think so. And I think also being very clear on what your business mission is. I think, again, businesses with a very clear mission 
are the ones that are going to survive and absolutely maybe that mission needs to adapt now like going from you know whatever that that was to more about service but yeah I think you need to have a very clear mission and to be transparent about what that is with customers so we've touched on a well we've we've touched on we probably don't want to explore it too too much because we want to look at some positive stories but you know there's the the, the primarchs and and, and other uh, uh news uh, examples but can you tell me any positive covid stories that you've seen um yeah i mean i've been where if we stick with the big brands for a moment and those ones that have you know used their resources to diversify so i'm talking about barber creating um PPE supplies or making PPE equipment and you know LVMH with the hand sanitizer um, and there are some smaller ones too so there's um, a luxury men's shoe brand called Duke and Dexter um, who've just retrained they just announced this week that they've retrained their UK team to make masks instead of shoes and they're going to be donating them to the NHS and care homes to me that's incredibly inspiring and I think the good feeling towards those brands will definitely continue past uh, COVID. Um, I think in general I think you know brands that are kind of changing their focus to helping keeping people safe um, is really uniting and heartwarming as well. Um, and I guess you know from my experience working brands I'm working with a couple of beauty brands and they've seen an increase in sales online so you know people are home and they're looking to take care of themselves and cheer themselves up as well um so one of my clients is called the light salon and they have led facials um so they have salons in like harvey nichols and nordstrom's in the us um and obviously that whole part of their business is on hold but thankfully they also have uh, a range of products that can be used in the home and they have led devices and what they've seen is not only are they seeing you know business coming from people who were going to the salons and then want to kind of continue that at home but actually they're reaching a whole new audience because um they're able to kind of educate people on all of the benefits of led which is you know it actually is also stress boosting and kind of mood enhancing so it's not just about um you know the appearance of your skin if you like so i think you know there are other areas as well like homewares has seen a big increase um i'm sure a lot of leisure wear as well i think the brands are adapting and still make you know finding new ways to engage with their customers whether it's by you know fitness workshops online or live streaming events um new ways of kind of talking to their customers and educating them and supporting them in this time that's those are the ones with the really positive stories at the moment yeah yeah and i think that it, it's i think you know the it's easy to get sucked into the trap of the 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 the, the not so good stories but there is some real so there's positivity i think from a business perspective but then there's kind of some of the cool stuff that people are doing and just going out mm. of their way and donation and you know teaming up with whatever other agency or, or 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 you know like um business out there to, to, to make a difference which i think is really really important yeah. i'm keen to sort of bring it back to you as we kind of wind down so 
at the moment, and maybe this is in general, but I'm always keen to understand how people maintain balance in their lives. You know, you've got, sounds like a very, very busy life. How do you maintain balance? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, pre, pre COVID it was, I have quite a structured approach and that's how I kind of make it work. So I think, you know, me and my husband having quite a clear 50 50 split on who's doing what any given day of the working week because that's for us that's the best way to kind of avoid arguments um (laughs) so but yeah in the current situation i think it's coming for me working out is really important for my mental health um getting a good night's sleep um you know, we're a family of early starters and I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old boy. So yeah, days are very busy and I'm just, you know, I prioritize getting some physical exercise, getting fresh air, um, having time with them and having time for, for work really. Um, and I've definitely found again, since, since lockdown that a lot of FaceTime with, you know, family and friends, because, I am a sociable person and I think that makes a big difference being able to kind of still talk to people that you're not able to see. Yeah, totally. Like you need to, I mean, the, the technology is great, right? So we need to utilize it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think, I think first of all, you kind of have to think about what balance is for you because it's different for everybody and also constantly reevaluate that. Um, because I think it changes week by week and month by month um and you kind of have to reevaluate it and keep adapting it and kind of communicating with your partner if you've got one about how you're both going to find that within all of your responsibilities and what you've got going on I suppose yeah exactly okay I'm gonna round it out with a couple of questions and I've been asking a a few people that I've uh, been interviewing over this COVID period what are you kind of like most craving right now? So like what's going to be your first destination once the lockdown is finished? Is it a food destination? Is it like a a travel destination? Where are you going? What are you doing? A hundred percent travel destination. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Where is it? Come on. What's the, the, where where is it? Just any hot sandy beach in Europe. I really don't mind. Um, Yeah. I had like, couple of trips booked um this year one to greece and one to france so somewhere like that just greece or france oh lovely very (laughs) nice okay final question and this is more of a look this is a plug where can where can people find you how can they get in contact ah okay brilliant um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm on linkedin as i said but um it's hannah spicer Uh, my website is hspicerconsulting.com and my Instagram handle is Hannah Spicer underscore consulting. There you go. You heard it first. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. That was great. Thank you, Tim. Big thank you to Hannah for joining me. Go check her out at hspicer consulting. That's all one word.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Klaviyo, the world's most recommended growth marketing platform. If you want to learn more about them, go to klaviyo.com slash your basket is empty. And yeah, finally, if you like the podcast, tell every single person you know to download and rate it. I'll see you next time. I hope you're taking notes.